Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing the Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of our respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. On today's episode, we speak to Dr. Christopher Burton, a physiatrist, public speaker, physician coach, and prolific author. He just published Burnout Breakthrough, a follow-up to Putting Out the Fire, both about physician burnout. We talk about the symptoms and consequences of burnout, reasons for burnout, what specialties tend to be the most commonly affected, and we finish with some high-yield ways to minimize burnout, like learning to love your EMR and following his legacy ladder to make sure your time is being devoted to living the life you want to live. Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. On today's episode, we have Dr. Christopher Burton, a physiatrist in Florida who is actually a prolific author and public speaker. And his latest book, Burnout Breakthrough, was recently released, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Dr. Christopher Burton, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So first, let's just talk about your training. Where'd you go to med school and residency? Yeah, I was uh, out in Southern California for for both. I trained uh, in Loma Linda University, not too far from San Bernardino and Riverside, Redlands, California area. And then, you know, what what made you decide to write this book? Uh, what, what what experiences have you had that led you to to this breakthrough? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually. It was kind of a culmination of things that led me down this road. Uh, first, when I, I started out, um, I was focused on on leadership and communication for physicians. I did some coaching around the business side of medicine, you know, how to market your practice, promote yourself uh, in your specialty. But the more I talked with, with my fellow physicians, the more I realized that you know, most of the problems we were addressing, they led back to to being burned out. You know, they, you know that someone would talk about, how do I you know, write a book? How do I you know, become a speaker? How do I uh, undergo a career change? But the, the problem was uh, they weren't necessarily going to those things because they were uh, passionate about it. And, and most, some of them were, but a lot of the others were just tired of what they were doing already. and were looking for a change. And so I, I realized that you know, no matter what else I did, we were just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it, if you will, um, you know, the, the real thing we needed to address was the fact that most physicians are burned out and are ready to do something about it. So you kind of, you mentioned it, um, that people would ask you how, because you were already a public speaker, how they could put themselves in the position that you were already in. Um, so I, I definitely think it bears mentioning at this point that you're, you're a prolific author. You've written books on physician finance purchasing a home as a physician, marketing yourself as a physician. And this isn't even your first book on burnout. Your, your first book was Putting Out the Fire, How to Prevent Physician Burnout. So, so this, is, uh, this is a topic that you're revisiting. Why do you think, if you'd already had a book on it, why do you think it was necessary to revisit the issue? I think, you know, as I, I finished the first one and, and got it out there in the hands of more and more physicians, it, I realized that uh, prevention was one thing, but 
Now, I mean, let's face it, we're already busy. How much time do we spend on prevention, even at, you know, with our patients or as patients? You know, how much do we spend on doing our own preventative maintenance versus um, you know, when, when things are already bad, you know, that you're looking for a solution? Um, you know, very few patients come in and say, you know, I'd like to eat better, exercise more, lose weight. You know, they come in because, you know, they, they've got hypertension, they've got diabetes, their joints hurt. You know, they, they're already feeling the pain. Um, and that's why kind of one of the analogies someone else uh, told me a, a few years back was, you know, people, you know, they come to you for the, the pain medicine. They don't come for you f- to you for the vitamin. So I thought, you know, maybe I needed to explore it a little a little more depth, get some specific tips for people who are already burned out and to see what they could do uh, differently. So it's a little bit of a different take and a little deeper exploration of the topic. So first, let's define burnout. How is it that you define burnout? What are the symptoms and what are the consequences? Yeah, burnout is... Overall, it's a, a lack of enjoyment of, in what you're doing or specifically in your profession. Now, that's kind of the generic term or, or definition we use. Uh, and the, the symptoms, you know, they start off pretty subtle. I mean, you might not even notice some of them at first. Uh, and that makes it hard to diagnose or quantify burnout for a lot of people. Um, think of things like cynicism or sarcasm, for example. You know, that can actually be an early defense mechanism when administrators are pushing you, placing unrealistic demands on you. You don't feel like you have any say in how your schedule is going, how your clinics run, how you're, you know, whether you can hire or fire your staff even. When you kind of start getting that, that cynicism or sarcasm, most people don't think of that necessarily as burnout, but it's kind of the, the first step down that road. Um, you know, same thing with strained relationships at home. And it, it may seem like there's something else that's the problem initially. But then you realize that, you know, a lot of it has to do with kind of your attitude and the way that your your judgment's clouded by the stress at work or, you know, frankly, even depression. And we start off, you know, we feel exhausted. We feel physically and emotionally exhausted. We start doubting ourselves, ourselves in clinic or in the operating room. You know, is, am I doing the right things? Am I making a difference anymore? Um, you know, and that again, that sense of, of personal accomplishments not there. You don't feel like you're you're having an impact on the world, which you know, ideally or not, that's kind of why most of us went into uh, medicine was to make a difference because we wanted to help people and make an impact. To to feel like you're not doing that, I mean, it feels like you wasted you know, 12, 13, 14 years of your life to get to this point. Um, and again, the strained relationships it can lead to things like divorce, um, you know, being estranged from your children. Uh, some physicians are struggle with anger management difficulties, disruptive behavior. You know, that's the dreaded label that you don't want you know, at the hospital or healthcare system. And just you know, the getting apathetic and not going through the motions, if you will. And the, your patients notice it. You start making mistakes more frequently. You don't have the same compassion or empathy you had when you started out. Uh, and some, some of the physicians, unfortunately, slide down that slippery slope into things like you know, substance abuse, gambling. And, and sadly, even you know, suicide has become a real problem for physicians. With over 400 physician suicides a year, you know, that's over one a day. 
that a physician's taking their life because they're they're so burnt out. So really, you know, the consequences of ignoring burnout are quite serious. But despite the dire impact, you know, it's just not receiving the attention that it needs. And when I say that, I don't mean that people aren't talking about burnout. I mean that they're not doing anything about burnout. Uh, you know, you can read all the journals about you know, the number of and the percentages and everything. But and what I'd like to see and what my book hopefully provides for physicians is concrete steps that people can take to get rid of the burnout, to get out of that rut, as opposed to just, you know, well, here, you don't feel bad. You're one of, you know, 50 or 60% of physicians in the, in the U.S. So one of the things that you mentioned in terms of uh, ways to handle it is, is, your, is your legacy ladder. So I definitely want to talk about ways to manage burnout. But I, I want to first talk about the fact that it, it starts, it can start as early as residency, right? It can even start in medical school. And in residency, in residency, it's a bit understandable, right? Like your, your schedule is not your own. Your life is not your own. Your patients are not your own, right? You're seeing other people's patients. And also there's a, a steep learning curve. So you might you know, you're constantly being um, informed of what you're doing incorrectly in an attempt to educate yourself. But it really, you know, it, it can it can take its toll on your confidence, which then takes its toll on your well-being. Um, and so one of the things that was implemented when I became a resident was the 80-hour work week, right? You know, in any fashion, I'm sure the eight-hour work week is is still considered obscenely high, but you know, there were there were doctors that were working, you know, greater greater than or at least in the hospital for more than eighty hours a week. So when we limited our hours, at least as residents, did that have an impact on the rate of burnout in residency? And if it was that we used to work more and now we work less, why why didn't burnout go away during for for residents?
So my sister-in-law, when she was a general internal medicine fellow at Hopkins, wrote a paper on, uh, I think she wrote it, maybe it was under her maiden name, Lauren Gold, maybe it was under her married name, Lauren Block, but she, she wrote a paper that, that received a significant amount of publicity because she tracked the amount of time that internal medicine residents were spending doing different activities. And it turned out that face-to-face time with patients was, was I mean, I, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but like somewhere between eight and 15% ring, rings a bell, but whatever it was, it was something that was definitely noteworthy because of how much time they spent filling out discharge paperwork and things like that. And how much time was spent actually with physical, yeah, with patients. And that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. There, there's no, no sense of, of, I went into medicine to fill out papers. No one ever said that. So, so if there are any med students listening, not that this should dictate their decisions, but rather inform their decisions, what specialties tend to have higher burnout rates? And are there any specialties out there that would seem counterintuitive to you, given that, you know, you're saying we need to be, we need to be fulfilled. That's, that's how we, one of the major ways that we combat burnout is by making sure that we feel what we're doing matters. So, so what are the ones out there that tend to be the highest and what are the ones that you would take you by surprise? Yeah, so a recent survey I looked at just this last week, um, it said urology was number one, neurology was number two, and physical medicine rehab actually number three. And then it's followed by you know, your, what you would expect, you know, your primary care, your emergency room physician, and general surgery. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the top of the list. And I was I was shocked to see my specialty physiatry at number three on the list because, you know, we yeah, I would say yeah we're not nothing we do or very freak infrequently is anything we do life and death, so you know we may not get as many calls. I think again it just comes back to you know some of these specialties that you know you go into it expecting one thing, and you realize you know you're doing a lot of other things like. You know, for us, you know, people come in and they want disability forms filled out. They want their DMV to get their handicap placard for their car filled out. And a lot of the stuff that you're doing that is administrative or paperwork and it's not satisfying. You know, and, and the same thing with radiology. I, I don't think many people would expect that to be in the top half of a list of burnout specialties. Um, you know, but again, even, even them, you know, they there's a lot of radiologists that are that are burned out now too. Yeah, actually, I just had a, a conversation with Sanj Kachel, who wrote a book on positive psychology, and and um, he's a radiologist. And it seems that even though it seems you know they do well financially, they don't get a lot of mi- in a middle of the night calls. They're they're so distanced from the patient care that they lack that fulfillment. So he actually had some strategies to, to help combat that. But I think that's, that seems to be the refrain here, that, that if, you're, if you're in PM&R and you're just filling out forms for disability and workman's comp, and you're not gonna feel fulfilled. It, it, and it seems like compensation does very little to, to mitigate that, or at least a lot less than you would expect. And, and that's surprising. You know, a lot of the people who've done these studies they were surprised to find that out. It didn't have anything to do with how much or how little you made. 
you know, if you're if you're filling out the same form, and I'll, I, you know, you mentioned work comp. I used to do a ton of that. That was kind of my bread and butter when I first started out because because nobody else wanted to do it at the time. Um, you know, you you put everything in your note. You dictate your assessment, your plan. Work comp, at least in Florida at the time, you had a separate form that you filled out where you put down again everything you found on your physical exam, your assessment and then your diagnosis and then your plan what you had ordered and then you wrote on your prescription the medication you ordered again so you're writing the same thing three times just to meet different people's requirements and then yeah i hate to say it, but it doesn't take a, a medical degree to be able to basically photocopy something down yeah it just gives you stress and, and carpal tunnel and that was about the the gist of it which being in PM&R, you're able to diagnose pretty easily. Treat, yes, there you go. <laughs> so what are some of your higher yield recommendations from the book? Let's, uh, let's, let's try and find some action items for our listeners that take like the least, just to kind of dip their toe in the water and give them a taste for what you, you provide in the book. So the least time and effort that are going to have the biggest impact so they get to get them started. Yeah, and I think you know, most of the things I've wrote about really aren't you know, not time intensive to do, or they don't require a big change. Uh, it's it's little things, you know. If you can save you know thirty seconds each patient encounter, and you have twenty patients you see in a day, well, you save ten minutes that day over the course of a week. That's an hour, which you know you add that up, and you say you work fifty hours a week, take two off or 50, hour, 50 weeks out of the year, you know, that's, you know, you've, you've substantially increased the amount of free time or, or time that you've got to do other things, even just making that, you know, 30 minutes a day difference, you know, if you can add that to your, to your day. And so, you know, the top thing that most physicians complain about is, is the electronic medical record. Um, we, the number one cause of burnout everywhere you look has to do with charting and bureaucratic tasks. So if you can find ways to make your EMR your your EMR your ally and not your enemy, that's going to go a long way to reducing burnout. So another thing to realize is there's no perfect EMR system out there because I've gone through this with tons of physicians and they're like, well, you know, maybe I need to switch to this one or, or that one. Well. No matter what you do, you're going to run into the same problem, and that is that someone who has no medical education, not a clue about what it takes to interact with a patient in the room, writing the software that you're now using and being forced to you know, squeeze into to how we practice. So you know, find ways to work around and within the system as much as you can. And so for me, templates are, are a lifesaver. Everything that I do, if possible, is templated to the to the nth degree um you know, and that can be not just your patient notes not just your your op reports it can be letters to referring physicians it can be uh, letters to patients it can be you know, in my specialty letters to case managers or attorneys you know, just the, anything that you write more than once a day you, you really must have that templated somewhere if you write it more than even once a week, I still would do a template for it just because it saves you so much time to do it that way. You may not think that it's a lot of work to dictate another 
you know, 60 seconds each time. But again, those little minutes here and there add up. Um, tech, use technology as your friend. You know, there's, there's ways that you can combine the standard template along with uh, voice recognition. It's one of the things I did early in my practice. And I, I combined the two. It actually sped things up so much because you, you're, a lot of people know you, you can't template every single possible thing there is. Um, you know, so being able to say dictate a history point and click for the physical exam, point and click for a diagnosis, point and click for your assessment and plan, um, and then maybe you know free dictate a, you know, a sentence or two that specific to that patient. It makes it go much faster than than typing. We all we talk faster than we can type. Um, I mean, voice recognition when I was writing my book even just because you know i have a thought in my head if i don't get it down fast enough the chances are it may leave before i before i get it written out by hand or even typed out so using that uh, to your advantage you know make technology in your electronic medical record your friend you know, don't don't look at it as, as an as an enemy as something to struggle against yeah i use i use dragon and i'm certainly not plugged here but i really you know it helps me one, it helps me connect with my patients a little more because they'll tell me their their story and then I will dictate it in a more succinct way, which really helps them understand what they're experiencing, you know, particularly when patients come in with sinus problems, may not be sinus, sinus infections or dizziness, which is always very complicated to wade through. You know, hearing it back themselves with uh, in a succinct way can help them understand their symptoms a bit more. And then I dictate the plan. I dictate I dictate the whole plan for most situations because then they get to hear the plan at the end. So rather than me telling them what the plan is, I dictate the plan. They hear me doing it. So I don't do it in such a rapid fire way. And then they get an opportunity to ask questions. So I've saved myself a step there. I, I do have some temp templated plans, but but I definitely, what I need to do based on what you're saying is I need to take a day off. I need to take a day off and I need to sit down with someone who knows my EMR really well. And I need to find as many ways as possible to maximize um, the macros and the templates. The caveat being though, you know, things like carry forward, there is a huge legal liability there. So you always need to watch out for things like that. If there are contradictions, your review of systems and your history of present illness, now your documentation can't be trusted as much. And and so those are those are always things that you need to be cognizant of. But I definitely need to take a day off because it will make a huge, not a day off, a day to maximize my EMR or a half a day because you're right, it, it is going to make a huge impact. As much as you may not like the EMR, don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, you have to find, you're, you're, you're in it. You can't, you can't scribble your notes on a, on a note card and those days are past. Yeah. You have to find a way to embrace it. And really most, especially if you work for a, a hospital system or you know, they have people who that's their job is they'll come sit down next to you, walk through a patient encounter with you and just see where it is that they can help you maximize your efficiency. And, and you're right. Taking the time, it may seem like a burden at, at this moment, when you take the time and invest in getting to know your system front, frontward and backward, 
you're going to make up all that time in the in the end because you're going to be so much more efficient. There'll be so much less stress. Uh, you don't if you're taking two or three steps to to do something that uh, one of the you know, EMR champions at your facility can can show you how to do in one step. It's going to make a make your life so much easier. And really, you know that that's what we're trying to do with this book is is just find ways to make the most of your time so you can give back some of that. Um, you know, we talk about you know, delegating, outsourcing. You know, whether you use your nurses and MAs to fill out forms or field phone calls, use a scribe in the in the room with you. Um, you know, outsourcing at home. You know, if you want to spend more time with your spouse, connect with your kids. You know, find someone else to do the yard work or clean the house. You know, you don't have to do all those things. You just have to find someone else who can do it. And, you know, let's face it, they probably are better at it than you are. Well, especially, you know, you have to consider your income versus how much you're you're paying out, right? If you if you can drywall your your own house, then but the amount that you make as a physician, that being said, post tax, right? And then mm-hmm. pay absolutely first, and, and how efficiently they do it and how much they cost and how well they do it relative to you. You know, it's it's basically an economic decision. You know, how much do I make an hour? How much do I pay this person an hour? And how well do they do it relative to how well I can do it? Or, you know, unless you enjoy it. Some people enjoy the spackling, I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can't say that that's one of my favorite things. But there's, you know, that's kind of one of the things I touch on in the book. Is, and I actually break it down by you know, if you make, say, 200000 a year and you work 80 hours a week, you know, what's your hourly rate? You know, if it comes out to $100 an hour just for a round number and you can get the kid down the street to mow your lawn for 20 bucks, and he gets done in an hour. You know, why are you doing that unless you just really love it? You know, is there not something better you can do with your time? I would never have time enough to catch up on our, our paperwork and things. That you had. If you get caught up on your billing, you're actually making money during that time when he's out there mowing the lawn for you. Uh, you've got it. Those things are, are where you gonna are going to make the most uh, you know, financially. It's not going to be doing those minimum wage type tasks around the house. Yeah, being being frugal is important in not spending money buying stuff that isn't going to make you any happier, which we've talked about in previous episodes. But outsourcing is going to free up time, which is your most valuable resource. So paying someone to do something that you would be doing is very different because you've just bought time. You, you have to, th- I think, think of these things in two different baskets. One is stuff and the other one is time. And time is much more valuable than stuff. That, yeah, that time is the most valuable thing we have. There's no resource greater. I mean, you can look at gold, silver, Bitcoin, whatever you want. There's nothing more valuable than time. And when I work with people or coach them, I always tell them, I can find ways to make you more money. I cannot find ways to make you more time once if you're not willing to you know, do some of these things that we're talking about. You're, you're limited. You know, I cannot create time. You know, we can find ways to... You know, make your practice more efficient. You can see more patients. You can, uh, you know, sell braces in the front front end of your office. You can invest in stocks or real estate. You can make more money. You can never, ever create more time though. And so that's one of the things that I focused more on in the book was, you know, how to get your time back uh, as well as your health. You know, things like eating well, exercising right every day. Those are kind of important things that you, 
with to me anyway, your your health and your your time. There's there's nothing else more important than than that because you can don't have those two things. You can't give to anyone else in your life. There's one last thing from your book that I want to talk about, and and that's the legacy ladder. Can you just talk briefly about the legacy ladder? Oh, certainly. Yeah, the the legacy ladder was something I created to to help my coaching clients reconnect with with their dreams to to get clear on their goals. You know, what what is it that you want to get from your career? Because let's face it, when you're burned out, when you're stressed, when you're you, you don't feel like you have a sense of purpose in your life, it's kind of hard to to get out of that rut. And that's where you know whether it's you're using the book or or an actual coach one on one to to get you out of that. That's where having an outside source helps. And that's really what the legacy ladder is. It's it's some it's a ladder to help you get out of that rut, if you will. Um, yeah, and it looks at you know, what is starts off the big picture. What's the the legacy you want to leave with your life? Now, if we look at the the big picture, what do we want to accomplish? You know, it's it's much easier to narrow down to the specific things that we need to change, um, and we can get more clear on things that are really important to us and what are not important. Because let's face it, you know, we always get asked to to sitting on some meeting or be a part of a committee or, or even you know, outside of the hospital like to, to be a, a board member for a board member for a charitable foundation or, or a school or, or your alma mater. But really you know, are those things helping you reach your goals? Uh, you know, and, and kind of the next step is like, you know, so you have that big picture and you know, what roles do you need to be successful in, in order to, to make that legacy a reality? I mean, you've got your role as a physician, which is important. I mean, you've worked so hard to get there, but you've also got your role as, you know, as a spouse, as a parent, as a, as a friend, um, you know, as a leader in your community. And, and sometimes those roles compete. So you've got to be able to, to weigh, you know, the, the value of those, you know, and you know, do, am I living out my life according to what I say I value? Uh, and if my values and beliefs aren't lined up with the roles I'm taking on or the way I'm spending my time, then you're just going to get frustrated and you're not going to uh, feel fulfilled with that. And then, you know, kind of the next couple of rungs down from that is, you know, if I'm, if I need to fulfill this, need to be in this role, you know, what skills do I need to succeed within that role? So if your goal is to, you know, become a, chief medical officer at your hospital, then you're probably going to need some, to learn some leadership skills. Um, you know, if you want to give presentations on your area of expertise to, to further your academic career, to attract more patients, you know, then developing your public speaking skills is important. Um, you know, for me, you know, I, I've written a number of books and, and I've been a speaker and, and I've done coaching. Um, you know, but really, you know, writing was the only one that came naturally to me. You know, that was kind of one of my innate strengths that that I had. Now, speaking took more time and more effort, you know, to to master the techniques to to be able to communicate effectively in either a ten minute time block, a half hour time block, or an hour time block, depending on where I was at. So, you know, again, you know, do you have the skills to succeed, and do you have the habits to be successful? And this is kind of what we talk about in in the book too. Is you know managing your your emr managing the your to-do list by delegating or outsourcing are you taking care of your yourself sleeping right eating right exercising 
you know, do you do you have the right habits in order to be successful? And then further, kind of at the bottom of that list is really, you know, are you in the right environment to grow? If you're, you know, unfortunately, a lot of doctors think that this is the the place they want to start, and and that's it's good to consider your environment, but it's really kind of the lowest level. Um, you know, you can succeed no matter where you're at if you have the right habits, the right skills, and you know, and you're putting yourself in the right positions. But if you're if you're not addressing any of those things and just looking at, you know, I'm going to change my environment, a new job is what I need. Well, unfortunately, you're going to take a lot of those same attitudes and skills or lack thereof with you to your next job or your next institution or your next, unfortunately, you know, for some positions, relationship, your next marriage, you, you know, you, you got to fix those things and, and you can't do that without kind of going through the steps of this legacy ladder to see where you want to end up at the end, you know, the end of your career, the end of your life, where, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And, and I think that doing it this way with the legacy ladder really is a, a much more efficient way of, of doing that. And it's worked for a lot of other physicians. And I, I highly recommend it to anyone who's kind of feeling stuck and feeling like what they're doing isn't, isn't leaving them satisfied or fulfilled. I think that ties in well to the last question that I that I wanted to ask you. It was the the thing in your book that I I found the, the hardest to believe. And so, what position were you in that you know two people who play the French horn? <laughs> that uh, that was just a, a coincidence of being in a very interesting medical school class. I had a couple of classmates who were music majors one of them played uh french horn in college for scholarship i believe and she was quite talented and another one of my classmates he he actually uh played the french horn as well and we had we had a class choir we had a class band we had a class flag football team we were we did most of us anyway passed we just had some very eclectic people in our in our group and it was it was definitely fun to to get to see all the different traits and and learn about you know what what other people do to to relax and unwind because you know we, there's some things we may not think about you know whether it's listening to a good podcast on your way to work reading a good book or or playing music you know you gotta you gotta find things even outside of medicine that you enjoy and help you feel uh fulfilled in life yeah, I think that's that's you know we need we need fulfillment in life and we think we need fulfillment in our careers, but also outside of the office, outside of the operating room, outside of the hospital. So it's important to have that that type of balance. So some type of creative outlet, I think, is really important too. That's an excellent point. So, Dr. Christopher Burton, it has been a very interesting and very helpful conversation to me, and I'm sure to the listeners as well. So where else can people find you? The easiest place is just ChristopherBurtonMD.com. Uh, please do the MD, otherwise you get to a luxury home builder in South Florida. <laughs> Won't be helpful <laughs> at all to you, unless you like luxury homes. But yeah, ChristopherBurtonMD.com. Uh, you can email me, info at ChristopherBurtonMD.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, forward slash ChristopherBurtonMD. So those are probably the best ways to, to reach out to me. The, the book is on Amazon available. If you get a chance to, to go check it out, 
I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review as well, just to you know, spread the word, let other people know there are solutions out there. Now, we, we talked about the consequences of burnout and, and we don't have to go through that, that slippery slope. We don't have to go through it alone either. Whether it's whether it's a book or uh, attending a, a lecture or or having one-on-one coaching, there's there's solutions out there. Don't think that you have to face burnout alone. Christopher Burton, MD, Burnout Breakthrough is the book. Thank you very much for your time. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Look forward to talking soon. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. We can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. Our show is produced by Guilfrey Studios in New York City. You can find them at guilfreestudios.com. Our theme music was written by our show's producer, voice actor, Karin Guilfrey.